today the Super Bowl edition part one super special guest Josh Keatley from the Rounds Wire, the Rounds Wire podcast will be with you momentarily. Got lots to talk about. We're going to hit the uh, wide receiver rumors, the salary cap extensions, Baker Chubb, Teller Ward. What do they do? How much do they cost? Ben Roethlisberger wants to come back another year. The Super Bowl. We're going to hit it all. Like the other thing. Good job, Mikey. You're a gentleman and a scholar like usual. Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland. Hope everybody is doing well out there. Staying safe. Staying good. Staying on your game. Keep your game tight. I know it's tough, but, uh, you know, tough at times. It's a snowy, messy day here in Ohio, so maybe you're someplace warmer, and uh, hopefully that's uh, good for you. All Eyes on Cleveland is a uh, show where we interview the top sports personalities in the country uh, discussing the pressing issues that face our Cleveland Browns. Uh, You can get the podcast where all popular podcasts are found, and uh, the simulcast is going out to YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook Live. Um, I did want to uh, say... I had a great time last night, if you didn't catch it or if you want to check it out, on The Rebuild, uh, which uh, I, you know, All Eyes on Cleveland is now with Blue Hustle, Blue Wire Hustle uh, is our uh, company that we're with now and proudly with them, and another Blue Wire podcast, uh, The Rebuild, here in town uh, with uh, Henry Ettinger and Jordan Zerm and those guys. Uh, I had a... Uh, interview with, uh, I was the guest interview with Henry on that show last night. It's available right now on the Rebuild, so go ahead and check that out. It was pretty cool. Had a fun time doing that. Uh, So check that out while you're at it. And uh, while you're doing that too, you can go check out where I write and where my guest tonight writes as well. Let's bring him in here. Uh, Josh Keatley, he also writes at the Browns Wire, USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, and uh, how are we doing tonight, Josh Keeley? Dude, Brad, I'm I'm feeling good. I always feel good when I get in your pa- your podcast. Every time I get on, it looks sweeter and smoother and sounds better oh, and better. Wow. I am so impressed with how far this thing has come. I mean, it's 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 awesome. You got some big time guests coming on weekly too, man. I'm I'm quite impressed. And uh, you're right there among them, Josh. You are. <laughs> You're, you're right there among my favorites for sure, man. I always, always uh, enjoy the content that we put out together. Uh, very uh, good, relaxed, you know, atmosphere you create, and uh, you're 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 my son's favorite guest by far. He's he said, "Oh, Ooh. I love it when Josh comes on." So he's yeah, he loves it. yeah. <laughs> big yeah, honor, yeah, big honor, Bit, huge honor in this household. I don't know oh, if yeah. we can get much bigger than that. Uh, yeah, so this is the Super Bowl edition part one, uh, because we've got two weeks here uh, between the, uh, uh, you know, the end of the championship games and the big game. Uh, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl in a little bit here. Uh, it's snowy. Is it snowy where you are, sir? Is it is it a mess of snow where you are? No, not a mess. It's just, it's just 
just a little bit, just enough to be annoying, but you can still go out and drive. No big deal here. Mm. Down here in Columbus, it is. Oh, wow. There you go. Columbus, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, it's a mess here in Akron, so, uh, and that's, uh, yeah, so it's messy. Uh, I was out battling it here just moments ago, so a little flustered as we come in here to the show. So, uh, yeah, the, you know, people just absolutely lose their minds, totally forget how to drive as soon as one flake of snow hits the ground. It's like, you know, they've never driven in snow before. Drives to- all total reasonable, you know, behavior goes out the window as soon as it starts to snow. And I don't oh, understand yeah. it. They've been doing it for years. They lived here for years, but every year it's like they need to relearn the skill of driving in the snow. It's absolutely one of my biggest pet peeves, as you can tell, as I'm going off on it uh, here. Uh, fun. <laughs> the, ca- the Cavs have been fun. You following the Cavs at all, Josh? Man, you know me. I don't I don't watch much basketball. I, I, I tell you what, I've spent more time trying to figure out who's going where in fan-controlled football, which is the new league coming up around – uh, Valentine's Day, then watching the Cavs play. Okay, so exp- explain to me fan control football as best <clears throat> as you can. If I said, you know, explain to me fan control football, I've read about it. I, I don't have a huge interest in it yet. Sell me on it. Give me, give me uh, thirty seconds of fan control football. So it's Richard Sherman, Marshawn Lynch, Quavo from Migos. You know, a couple other media member superstars got together, piled in the money. Basically, it's it's a league of football where the fans get to vote on the rules. So I signed up about a month ago. I've been able to vote on overtime rules, how they you know do the coin flip, uh, how they do instant replay, how they're doing the draft, how they do the playoff format, all, format all that stuff. Supposedly, once the game starts, you're going to be able to pick the plays. You're going to be able to pick who plays. Leagues like this have been around for a little bit. Um, I can't remember what the last one was called, but you, you probably remember. I think we talked about it on your podcast a while ago because Briante Dunn, the former Ohio State Buckeye, was playing in that league. Yeah. Um, but you could vote on the play. You got to vote on each play. This one's supposed to be more in-depth than that. So it will be something to monitor. Plus, Johnny Manziel's playing again. So it's going to have legitimate players in it, and uh, you know, people are going to vote on what defense to run, what play to call. Uh, do you, is there a way that people can get skin in the game at, at the same time? I mean, what, is there an, a betting angle to it or is it just, Hey, I want to vote on, on what plays they're going to run. I don't think there's any betting portion to it yet. I don't know. I haven't seen any rumors about DraftKings or FanDuel getting involved. There's only four teams. Um, they haven't announced where the players are going yet. Um, I think Manziel is like the only one that's kind of designated to a team, and I might even be wrong about that. Those are, there might be just rumors, um, but I don't think there's a way to bet on it. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I really only recognize five, six, maybe even ten names on it. Um, the old quarterback from uh, Florida State who got in trouble. Gosh, I can't remember his name now, but you remember him playing against Alabama a few years back, and then he transferred to Hampton, never really quite sure. regained the hype he had. He's in the league. Quadarius Smith, who was a guy who ran 4-2. Um, at Akron some years ago, had a stint in the CFL and had some multiple NFL tryouts. He'll be in the league. Um, so there's a couple names that you recognize, but I don't know if there's enough to, even if there was a line, I don't know if I'd be betting on it. That's uh, that's crazy. So uh, that'll be fine. Is this going to, uh, I don't, is the XFL still exist? Is that going to come back? Or so is there a battle for players between these two leagues? 
which is a better springboard to the NFL. I mean, that's the ultimate goal for these guys, yeah. right? Yeah, there's not going to be a battle. The XFL is by far better than fan control football. A better fan league. Control, okay. Oh yeah, you're you're going to get a lot of guys that play and played in the spring league in this one. If you if some of these guys are going to probably drop out midway through because they're going to get signed by the CFL, the CFL's extending contracts again. Jeremiah Masoli got signed uh, because the CFL is planning to be back this year, and CFL is by far you know second best in the NFL. So you're going to see guys dropping out. This is not going to be. This will be a tier. Probably very similar to the Arena Football League back when the Arena okay. Football was around. Um, but yeah, the XFL should be back. The XFL, I really don't think it was going to fail, man. You know, a lot of people think I'm biased because I love alternative football. But you know, I, I know some friends that were pretty close with the the St. Louis Battlehawks uh, franchise when the XFL was around, and they were selling twenty thousand, twenty five thousand, three hundred thirty thousand tickets. They had Jordan Tayama, who was the quarterback, uh, doing autograph signings at local businesses, and lines would be down the block people were chanting and stuff i mean and there were other cities that were like that they just kind of they ran into the covid buzzsaw and then i think the rock is going to capitalize exactly. on that. but i think it's yeah. I, I think it's got it's got potential to stick you just can't overspend yourself and you gotta have your expectations listen this is what it is you know what i mean it's yeah. not the nfl don't go in thinking it's the nfl right um you know i thought the aaf was great right when it was uh is that what it was the aaf right yeah and I thought that was fantastic, you know, and and some players turned careers out of that, you know, a couple Browns, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Dearness Johnson, obviously the most, uh, I think he's the most in, in, infamous one for the Browns. Oh, yeah. And then uh, their uh, backup quarterback, whoever he's with, he, he played there too, I think, and had a, yep. had a pretty good time. They were teammates. Interesting. Yeah, interesting stuff. Good stuff there, Josh. It's Josh Keeley. He's the host of the Browns Wire podcast and also writes over at USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire. Uh, we both write there, actually. Uh, Josh does a trim uh, on uh, draft coverage, player profiles, all that stuff. Uh, I'm sure you're starting to get into some of that work, right, sir? Man, I'm trying. You know you know me. I'm always trying to keep track. I got my little preseason board and trying to check out to see what was going on here, what's going on there. It was kind of hard to track because there's so many guys coming back. There's guys transferring. Um, yeah. There's guys that, you know, announce late. It's just it's kind of a cluster, but I'm getting there. I'm starting to organize, trying to prioritize guys at the Browns I'd be looking at more so than the rest. Yeah, so, so tonight we're going to talk uh, some of these wide receiver rumors that are going around. Uh, Browns extensions and kind of try to maybe gauge what area those extensions may fall in cost wise. And then uh, we're going to, you know, uh, take a look at the Super Bowl, or give our opinions, and then a little news around the league, uh, Big Ben and uh, Pittsburgh and stuff. But I want to start off with, you know, before we get into the stuff that's going to be dictated by the salary cap, I might as well go over what's going on with the salary cap. So projections right now around the league range from 175 million, which is the the bare minimum that the cap can go to, uh, to about 180. It's about a 23 million dollar drop in the cap, opposed to a normal yearly 10 10 million dollar increase in the NFL salary cap. That's substantial, uh, obviously. Uh, as they go into this offseason. Now, a lot of teams, uh, you know, the Browns are one that have some rollover uh, cap, 
But really, uh, I read an article, Josh, the Browns were actually going to be in really, really, really good shape if this wouldn't happen. They're still in good shape, but they were going to be like, like way ahead here uh, if this wouldn't have happened with the cap. Uh, so they're actually one of the victims of this because they were in such a good possession position. It's actually kind of equalized where they're at uh, with some of these teams. Uh, a little bit uh, is one article that I read, an opinion. So, but 12 teams as of right now, Josh, are already over the projected 2021 cap. What does that mean? I mean, you still got to account for picks, their salaries, uh, you know, free agency uh, signings, everything there. Uh, a lot of casualties. It looks like, and from what I've read, the stars are still going to get paid their money. So your top free agents. So like I did a, a workup on the wide receiver free agency market just because of Higgins last last week. I don't know if you saw the article or the piece on the show. but And and it's it, it's there's three guys at the top, right? Godwin, uh, Galladay, and Robinson, the third from Chicago. And those guys are going to command or would normally command over $20 million. And, and they seem to think that they'll still get that, right, which is, is up there, over $20 million a year. And then you kind of, you know, get read some of these articles on the salary cap, and it's going to be the guys in the middle that are the victim, right, because the guy that would normally make uh, the, uh, you know, vet minimum, that's not going to change his life, right? Right. But the guys it's going to affect is the guys that would make maybe $5 million a year to $10 million a year, maybe even a little higher, that's going to bring down, probably depress the, you know, the cap or what they're worth, maybe even bring guys all the way down to a point where they're taking the vet minimum for a year just to get by until there's an adjustment in the cap. So this is going to have a significant uh, impact on the league, and so much so, Josh, that my understanding is that if you do the math right now, there's, you know, and you take all the cost of every team that you could plan for exactly right now, like this is a guaranteed cost they're going to face, you know, X amount for draft picks, X amount for the, ca- the the cap that they already have on next year, and add it all up around the league, and then take the amount of money that the salary cap adds up, they're overextended already. So what, you know, so that's going to mean a lot of guys losing jobs around the league uh, if, it, if it stands as it is. Now, there, the, my understanding is that in 2022, though, there is going to be an influx of cash into the league, and they expect it to kind of go back up and equalize out. I think they're trying to work a way maybe to even it out, you know, borrow against itself a little bit. It's something they've been talking about. I don't know if it actually happened because it didn't get, you know, negotiated in the CBA. But uh, the TV deals and the extra playoff team this year, playoff games, generated some extra revenue that maybe they didn't think was going to be there. Uh, which will, I think, and then they're reing up their TV deals in a year, and that's going to be a cash influx into the league. So you're talking about 2022 then, it may, you know, straighten itself out. But for this this upcoming year, uh, everybody's overextended. I mean, you talk about, like, the Saints are in cap hell. Like, they have, 
they're like way over and they got all these players yep. to pay and uh, there's there's 12 teams that are over already so just with that in mind i think that before we start talking about markets on players and stuff like that i think we're going to see a depressed market from you know the mid-level and down thoughts on that yeah it's definitely a weird situation it's i don't know what they're going to do as far as you'd mentioned potentially letting it ride and barring against themselves banking on the fact that they're going to have a wider profit margin next year but i don't know can you do that? I don't know what the situation with COVID is. Yeah. I mean, from what I'm understanding is we might have another weird year where no one's allowed in the stadium. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No, I think that it's probably going to be under control. They got the vaccines rolling out, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, that's still something, you know, I'm not in charge of a billion dollar company. So, <laughs> so that's something yeah. you got to think yeah. about. I think that it is going to make more cap savvy franchises in a better situation. I, I, it, the, it sucks for the Browns because I feel like they're a couple, they're now at that point where they're good enough to where they can get star free agents, right? So maybe they want to be in that groove where they're going to spend a little bit more than they should. And that blows because we're just touching that precipice. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that because of all these restrictions and watching what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. But Andrew Barry and Stefanski, they obviously run a very tight ship. They're very smart. They're financially wise. Yeah. They do the right thing. So I think that franchises like that are going to thrive more than, for instance, when John Dorsey was in charge. And again, I'm not bashing John Dorsey. I, I'm not bashing no. John Dorsey. Just a completely different way to run the ship. Totally. Totally. So uh, we'll just say it like this to kind of sum it up. It's a very fluid situation. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, it appears – that there are going to be a lot of casualties when it comes to recap this year. You know, guys getting cut because they're making more than they produced, you know, the last year or two that normally a team may have just held on to and said, let's see what we can get out of them this year. You know, uh, so I think you're going to see a lot of that and a lot of, you know, what what guy uh, can take, can we get at value to fill a position um all around the league i mean uh, you know teams like the saints are gonna have to just cut guys left and right just to make you know what i mean and they're gonna want to keep their stars so they're gonna be looking for value everywhere or restructure here value here but they're gonna have to do quite quite a bit of gymnastics to get that down under that 180 uh number that they're kind of out there right now so you're watching uh, All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest Josh Keatley of the Browns Wire and the Browns Wire podcast. Uh, glad to have him on with us tonight. Some wide receiver rumors going on around uh, out there. Let's start at the top with OBJ. Uh, we know he's rehabbing. I think we've seen some Instagram footage of that and maybe a, a little hype video he did on there uh, as usual. Uh, you know, something to the effect that he'll be back and, you know, he was working out and stuff. Uh, looked like he's making his progress. I have no worry about him recovering from this injury because he's such a hard worker, you know. Um, but there is an unknown at the end of that. Uh, you know, a lot of people are ready to say goodbye to OBJ if the right offer came along. A lot of people are like, no way, let's get him back in here now that, you know, Baker's figured out the offense, which is what Andrew Barry uh, basically, you know, when you look at the stark numbers, right, Josh, of 
Baker with OBJ this year and Baker without him, right? It, it's very stark, right? Like he was so much better at, without him, uh, you know. And Andrew Barry credited that to him having more time in the offense and not so much not being there. I think it's probably a combination of a little bit of both. Uh, I certainly think that it's a more complex issue than a lot of people make it out to be. I think there's layers to it. I think OBJ does affect Baker, or did at least, uh, in his first season and, and, you know, seven games or whatever uh, that he played with him. Where are you with uh, Odell Beckham Jr.? Do you want him back for sure? Are you like, let's see what the market has, what can we get for him? Um, or are you just like, I'm done with him? I, I love OBJ. I, I love OBJ. I want him back. If I'm, But I think one of the things that makes Andrew Berry so special is that he picks up the phone for everybody. And I think a good GM should do that. Overturn every rock. Last year, if you remember in the offseason, he was kicking the tires on Cam, signing Cam Newton. Not everybody in Cleveland had a huge fit about it because that, that, they thought that that meant he didn't like Baker. Well, no, it just means he's looking at all of his options. So I like that. So if someone calls and offers you three first-rounders for OBJ – you should say yes. You shouldn't hang up the phone when someone asks for OBJ. You should be open to that. Is that likely? Probably not. I don't think OBJ has the value to even warrant getting rid of him. And I do think he's a difference maker. I know that we talk about you, – you mentioned the contrast between Baker Mayfield's on-field statistics or whatever it may be. I think I don't think Andrew Barry was just blowing smoke when he said that it go it a lot of it was due to him being more comfortable in the offense. And it's not just on him, it was on Stefanski. Stefanski was getting better at calling plays that better suit Baker's mentality, his athleticism, and then Baker's getting in the rhythm. He's a very rhythmic passer, very he's very momentum driven. You know, when you get on a winning streak, he it shows in his face, it shows in how he plays. And OBJ wasn't really a part of that. Um, you know, but he was a difference maker. You can't watch that Cowboys game and tell me he's not a difference maker. Stefanski's also a guy that likes to run these gadget plays, and we're seeing Jarvis Landry run those gadget plays. And he got a good arm, but he's not a gadget like player. OBJ though, OBJ has the athleticism to take the ball wherever you want to give it to him and take it to the house. So I, I think he's he's great. I think that him and Baker just got to get on the same page, and they might. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> You're more optimistic than I am. I guess I really saw, uh, I mean, I'll just be honest with you how I feel about it. I really, like, you can almost feel the pressure that Baker, like, like I get uncomfortable if, you know, two series happen and, and OBJ doesn't touch it, right? And I get a little fidgety in my chair, like a little uncomfortable. Like, imagine how Baker feels, right? Like, and that's just the presence that OBJ had. He, whether to no fault to it, and he's not done anything here in Cleveland. So I'm not, don't, I'm not blaming him for anything, but he is the guy that if you're not winning big, uh, or he's not, he makes everybody kind of feel uncomfortable. Like, uh, body language was very poor for me. Like, he didn't say anything. But his body language was very poor last year and early this year when they were losing game. Week one, his body language, he was moping around the field and, and this. And he, he makes it very evident how he feels. Um, and I think it has effect on Baker. And I think that there's no – I don't think that Andrew Barry was blowing smoke, 
But that's just telling one side of the story. I think a lot of Baker's underperforming is him being very aware that Odell Beckham needs the ball and needs it uh, look and trying to get him the ball all the time. And they're just not on the same page. And uh, his numbers have been very down compared to his career numbers since he's been in Cleveland. So how do you explain all that then? So I, I do. I, first of all, I think that everything you said is 100% correct. I think that there is an aura that he brings, but I think all great receivers bring that aura. You know, we're, we're going to watch where we're watching the Buccaneers who have two receivers with that aura, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. We're going to watch the Chiefs. I don't think Tyree Kill is Randy Moss, but he does what he does very well, probably better than anybody in the league. I mean, I would one could argue that Travis Kelsey brings that same sort of aura. A great quarterback has to deal with that. They have to be able to take control of that. It's kind of the Randy Moss effect. Donovan and I talked about this on the Brownswear podcast a couple weeks ago. I don't care. I know that there's a lot of people out there claiming that they can break it down, and the stats show that Baker Mayfield didn't look at OBJ any more than any other receiver. You can't prove that. You don't know what's in his mind, and you'd be silly and insane to think that it's not in his mind. You have an absolute playmaker. That you feel you you do that's what you feel right you feel the need to feed your playmaker at, at least that's what he should be thinking he has to deal with that and I think that that can get better I think that he's got enough confidence at what he's doing now to where I think that relationship can grow eventually the Browns are gonna have to get a true do it all wide receiver to get that get to that next level you can win a lot of games with re- the receiver with the receiving core that they have but I don't know if you can win it all I think that you need that OBJ. No, pure number one receiver that can do it all. And Baker's just going to have to deal with it mentally. At, at least that's what I see. I, I'm not going to say OBJ is perfect. Obviously, you know, his stats do not show that. But that that's kind of how I see it playing out. Or I'm hoping it plays out that way. Yeah. So I think that uh, what will happen here is um, I think the Browns are kind of stuck uh, in that. Like, I would like to think, Josh, that – the growth that Baker went through this year was enough for him to say, okay, I got this offense down now. Now bring OBJ back in and we're going to just take off, right? Like yeah. it's going to be cool. Now he's coming off, you know, the en- the injury, which is a, it, it's a serious injury. It's a little bit of an unknown going to be when he comes back or how quickly he will be back, you know, at the same time. So that's out there too. But I would like to think that Baker will take off with him with given the opportunity. But if somebody came along and offered me a two or three, I'd be really hard not to make that deal. Am I crazy? So if, if someone offers me a third, you're, you're saying a two or a three or both? Uh, a second or a third round draft pick. I, I would be, it would be hard for me not to make that deal at this point because I saw what the Browns can be without him, and they were excellent without him. So, uh, you know, Jarvis Landry as the number one wide receiver last year, Beckham, and this year, I, 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 I guess I see Jarvis as a number one wide receiver. I, I guess, I, don't, I mean, he, he can't do everything that Odell can. I get that. But he's been more productive than Odell Beckham Jr. has been in this offense. And look at what they were able to accomplish 
without OBJ this year. So I, it, you're going to be, hard, it's going to be hard for for anybody to convince me that they need Odell Beckham Jr. So I don't, I, I don't think that they need Odell Beckham Jr. I just think that they need a, the the Browns deal. And Jarvis Landry is a number one. He can totally be a number one, but because your number one doesn't have to do everything. They can do what you need him to do really well. And Jarvis Landry is one of the best at what he does. He, But he doesn't have that deep speed that opens up the offense like you see with KC, right? Donald Jones is kind of there, but not really. I think he can develop there, but you're kind of taking a little bit of a question mark. OBJ, you know he is that guy. You know that he is they, – they, they are yin and yang. Now – so is, is he though? He's not lightning speed fast. He's not no. straightaway speed fast. Yeah, he's a big playmaker, but he's not a burner. And my, I guess I would contest that what they're missing in their wide receiver room. And I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'll let you keep oh, you're going. Good. What I think they're missing in their wide receiver room is straight speed. Like they are missing the speed that KC has. They don't have a McCole Hardman. They don't have a Tyree Kill. They don't have anybody that can take the top off like that. I guess you can say that OBJ is that long ball threat. But, I mean, will he be when he comes back? I mean, and he's not a straightaway speed guy. So, I guess, I, I don't know. He's kind of turned into more of an intermediate. Uh, very much what Landry does is kind of how I see him now. As is is less than than a just a deep ball threat. Go ahead. So you, you said you everything you're saying is completely accurate, right? Because he he hasn't done, he hasn't done much. So I'm making the argument kind of as the guy you, you know the minority or the underdog here, but based off of what I've seen him do, and you've seen it too, and I keep talking about the oh, cowboy. No question. It's not necessarily about his speed, right? For I think he I believe he does run a four four. Which I think is I think is fast enough. That's right around where Donovan Peoples ran, you know, and Jarvis Andrews sitting over there in the four six area. So he's not a burner like Tyree Kill, who's around a four two, but his mixture of just good enough speed, his body control, and his ability to go up at the catch point. I mean, this is a guy who brings safeties over. You bracket coverage him, he's still catching the ball with wide corners draped all over him. There's a couple guys. I mean, I, I, on our podcast last night, we were talking about wide receivers that would fit that kind of bill. That might be there in the second round. And Rashad Bateman from Minnesota is very similar. Rashad Bateman's not going to test out the park, but he's six foot two, almost two hundred pounds, has a good use of his body, high catch, high points the ball, can really be a threat deep without having that speed that you typically look for in a deep threat. And I think that that's why I think OBJ is such a good compliment if they can get it to work. If someone's offering me a third rounder for OBJ, I'm telling them to go kick rocks. Even if OBJ is half strength, you're not going to find someone in the third round that can, or you you got to get very lucky to find someone in the third round that can produce at his level. The second round, now I'm, I, I, you know, again, I love OBJ, but if it's the second round pick, we're getting close to the draft. Let's say it's a draft day, okay? And someone with an early second round pick calls me and says, hey, We'll give you a second round pick for OBJ. I'm looking at his giant contract and a guy like Rondale Moore, who's going to run a four two, is sitting there. You now, I'm interested. Now, I'm listening. I'm not completely closed off to the fact to getting rid of OBJ. I'll listen to whatever offers on the table. <clears throat> I'm, I'm right there with you, but I do think that OBJ is better than a large. I think he's. I think he's the man. But again, you know, we get close to the draft day, and there's a better vision. This cap issue starts to be a problem. You know, there's nothing wrong with taking looking at the offer, but third round, no. Second round, I I'd, I'd consider it. 
you're probably right about the second, third round. You know, that's kind of splitting hairs either way. But I get your point. Um, I, I think you make great points about him. And you you hit on, my, I guess, my ultimate point at the end is it's not so much like, hey, they're giving us a second-round pick. Can we get – no, you're not going to get an OBJ in the second round. That's as talented as he is now. But it's about what you're paying him versus what you're going to pay the guy that you get in the yep. second round that you have for four years on a rookie contract and everybody else that you got to pay right now. And uh, where can you get better and where do they need to get better? Well, they need to get better on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that they're – my, in my opinion, if you were to keep Higgins or not, if you just take the money that you were going to pay him and apply it to another receiver – I think that, you know, Landry, DPJ, and X receiver, who's either a mid-tier, mid-to-top tier, or, you know, a burner, is a good enough wide receiver room as three starters in, in an offense that doesn't use a lot of wide receivers. Yeah, you, you know, they've got all their whole tight end room coming back, and they've got four studs, um, you know. I think that's good enough in this offense, I guess, you know, to, to do what they need to do. Uh, I think they need to add a speed element. So your point about, you know, the guy, Rondell Moore, is that what you said? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that that's a perfect ideal solution for me is take that pick and turn it into that guy and, okay, sweet. Now we saved a ton of money. We can pay Chubb. We can wait, pay Teller. We can pay Ward. We keep the nucleus together uh, you keep Landry here, and then you add a speed element to the receiver room. Let DPJ develop, and I think you're in. You know, in Higgins, I think that they should keep uh, because I think he'll be affordable enough, and we'll hit that in a minute here. But uh, if you were to keep that core together that you had this year and add a speed element, I think that's enough. I do. Um, but go ahead. Well, no, I, I I don't think you're wrong. I, I think that you are a hundred. I it's funny because I think we're both saying the same thing, but we both are putting our faith in different areas. I'm putting my yes. faith that OBJ is going to be the same OBJ. You're putting your faith that if the Browns move on from OBJ, they're going to be able to find someone with that speed. There's a lot of guys that have speed. I mean, they signed Marvin Hall. Marvin Hall's terrible. They're, they're he's terrible. You can sign guys with speed all day long, and they suck all day long. You got to still got to be a receiver. Rondell Moore is a great example because that might be a guy that might be a guy that is worth it. And that might be a guy that sticks around the second round because he's kind of a polarizing prospect with his injury history, his lack of size, blah, 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 blah. Um, but he's a game breaker, right? This is a guy that could go to the top 10, could be fall to the mid second round. Um, so I, I'm willing to meet you, meet you in the middle and say that Landry Higgins and DPJ, that's a good core. That's a good core, and you can win a lot of games with that core. I mean, we saw them win a lot of games with with just those guys. Um, you know, even if they don't add a piece, I don't think it's going to be. I don't <clears throat> the fact that if they don't add a piece, they're going to suck. I just think that adding a piece would take them to the next level. And I think you think that too. Just we're viewing it slightly different. You think that they can do it with just getting a guy that's you know half of what OBJ was, and I think that they can. I think that OBJ, if he comes back and is what he was, he's going to be worth it. That's kind of where I think our argument's heading. And, and I'm not ruling out the prospect that OBJ could be that. I hope he is because ultimately, Josh, do I think I'm saying what I think would be the ideal 
best route for the Browns. But do I think that the Browns are going to get that offer for OBJ? I don't. I don't think they're going to get that offer for him. Because uh, of the injury, because of the, the low production, uh, I, I just think that the Browns will be forced to, because of the 12.5 dead cap or whatever, that he yeah. had yet, yeah, 12.8 dead cap, I think they're just going to keep him. And uh, I ultimately think they're just going to keep him and play it out. So I hope you're right, and I hope it it could take off. It could be amazing. You know, the potential is there for it to be spectacular with him out there. And uh, so that's what I'm hoping for. And just kind of saying that this situation, I think ideally they would probably maybe take that money elsewhere at this point. Um, but I don't think it's really an option. And I think that that's what they that they'll end up with OBJ back. Now I do think. Tell me this, Josh. Last thing on OBJ, and I think you make some great points uh, about him. Um, and in the the injury question mark, you know, he's such a hard worker. I don't question that as much as some other people do. You know what I mean? Right. Like a lot of people are like, that's such an unknown. Him coming off of that injury. We know the way he rehabs, and, and we've seen how hard of a worker he is. I don't question that he'll be um, himself to a certain degree when he comes back. So uh, I just I wonder about his ability to produce in this offense with with Bake, right? And because uh, I haven't because yeah we haven't seen that you know uh, to to a huge we've seen spurts of it right like the Dallas game. Yeah, uh, we've seen spurts of it. Um, after this year, so I ultimately agree with you in that I think that they won't get the value for him and OBJ will stay. After this season, though, and his guarantees are all paid out, do you see him beyond that with the Browns one more season? Because I can't imagine him being around much longer than one more season. You know, we're, we're talking about a guy that already has a lot of variables coming up for this year. So to predict <laughs> to predict two years from now, I'm not quite sure. You know, I, I we have to a, – a, let's say, let's use the best example possible. Let's say he rehabs, comes back, he's fantastic. He plays at an all-pro level, and he has all the ability to. He's, he's, as the kids say, he's built different, right? So <laughs> that's totally potentially could happen. If that happens, you'd be a fool not to bring him back. Let's say that he comes back, he's fully healthy, and he's not – uber productive in this offense, which I think is much more realistic. When I envision OBJ come back in this offense, I'm not envisioning him lighting it up and being an all pro again. I don't think that's how this offense is built. I think the days of the, you know, I don't think that this offense is going to rely on wide receivers to be statistically valuable. I think you're going to see in the era of Stefanski, you're going to see three offensive linemen go to the pro bowl, a running back, maybe even a full back. You know what I mean? That's what you're, that's what you're going to see. Uh, you know, it wouldn't, you, that, I, the Cowboys game encapsulate OBJ because that's what I envisioned too. Four, three games of him doing nothing, a game where he absolutely explodes. Three games of him doing nothing, and a game where he absolutely explodes. But even on those games where he does nothing, I envision him taking double teams away, forcing the defense to go brat brat. No question. So I could see the Browns again if he does if he fits that role. He's happy. Uh, again, th- that's another variable too. We don't really know his personality hundred percent yet because he hasn't really finished a season with Cleveland. So let's say he's got a happy mood, bring him back. I don't care if he's still the highest paid guy, bring him back. He does his role. He fits it really well. Bring him back. If you, let's say he comes back 
and he's healthy, and you draft a wide receiver in the middle of the round. So I'll drop one more wide receiver name that I think could fit the Browns pretty pretty nicely is Wap Fillior out of Indiana, a guy who's another spark plug. He's got some speed, a little undersized, but wouldn't surprise me if the Browns snagged him in the fourth round and he blows up. If you can get that guy and he ends up being your deep threat, he ends up being your speed, you still got Higgins, you still got Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones take another step forward, I could see you making a solid – I could see it being a really hard conversation to bring back OBJ for the money that he's going to demand. Yeah, I just think the fit, the fifteen plus, it's going to be yeah about fifteen million uh, pushing sixteen that year. Um, and the if you cut him, you know, I think before June first or whatever it is, or you trade him, that fifteen million is yours, right? There's no, there's nothing there. So that's a lot of savings that can go to a lot of different places on the football team that's contending, hopefully, for a Super Bowl or, a, you know, an AFC title, right? Yep. Uh, so that's kind of where my thought process goes. But we, you're right. We don't – it's a long ways off, and we don't know what OBJ is going to do in the meantime. So some really good points from you there. Interesting, you know, dialogue, I think – I'm not, I guess where I come out on it in the end, Josh, is I'm not set on either way. Like, I'm okay with him staying, and let's see how it goes for a year. And I'm okay with if they got blown away with an offer uh, that I would be okay with them taking it. So, Let, uh, you know. Can I, ask, can I ask you a question? Let's see, because Jarvis Andrews got a giant contract too. Let's say that they draft a wide receiver again. You know, let, let's say it's one of the three guys I, I just named, you know, Rondo Moore, Walt Fillier, or whatever. Let's say one of those wide receivers, rookie wide receivers, pop. Rashard Higgins is again the leading receiver for the Cleveland Browns, and Donovan Peoples Jones makes another step up. At that point, it do it, they? Let's say they got three young wide Higgins, Donovan Peoples Jones, and the rookie have really shown on the scene that they can do it. And this is already a run focused offense, and the culture is now a winning culture. Do you move on from both of them, Landry and OBJ? No, I, I wouldn't. I won't. It, you'll never convince me to move on from Landry because um, he's worth so much off the field. Like, I don't think like you can measure his worth with just his statistics, but a, he has been the leading receiver on this team for the last three years. So, um, but the last six weeks, Higgins was the leading receiver though. Okay. Right. But on the season, right on the season, oh, yeah. Yeah. he's the leading receiver. So he's your number one production guy for, uh, you know, the last three seasons in the, with, with the Browns. Uh-huh. And uh, he actually came on at the end of the season, scored some more touchdowns, had some big games, huge games in the playoffs in the Pittsburgh game and everything. You know, I thought he performed terrifically towards the end. I know Higgins did as well, but uh, I, I just think that we've seen the production from him. Um, I don't, I don't worry about his performance at all. And what he brings as a leader is everything to this team. He is the epitome of what I think a a Cleveland Brown should be. He brings the grit, the leadership, the everything on the field. He blocks, he does everything. He's a a verbal leader in the locker room. He's your veteran, uh, presence He's for me, he's worth way more than than he's paid because look at where they've come since he came here to now. I think he made Stefanski's job so much easier by having him in in this organization. What he means to the Browns organization is so much, in my personal opinion. 
I, I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. I'm just saying his contract is rather large, and I think this offense is going to scoot more and more towards running the ball as it moves forward. But I, I 100% agree with Jarvis Andry is an absolute stud, and I would keep him too. You really think that, though, like, okay, I get the – this offense is going to skew more and more towards running the ball, right, is what you said? I I feel that way. I, I don't know because, like, watch the progression of this – the offense through the season. They went more and more to the pass. I mean, right? Like – Baker made they, he they did have made, fantastic playoff games. They they the yeah. game I feel like he kind of that was kind of all him. I think again during those last six weeks he was really on fire. So I, I completely he's capable of it. Baker Mayfield's a hundred percent capable of leading this offense. I think he's a top ten quarterback in the NFL right now. I you know I just think that I, I think that you could be looking at an offense kind of like with the Titans where I just think Nick I think Nick Chubb is the is the horse. I think that that's who they're gonna. If you're taking 16 games, I think Baker Mayfield's going to win six of them, and then Chubb's going to win the rest. If that makes sense, it does. And the, Chubb in the offensive line, I would say. But yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I agree with you. But so many teams down the stretch, right? They keyed on the run, and what was what did Stefanski do? He said, okay, you're going to key on the run. We're going to throw on you all day. I know you don't think we will, but we're going to show you we will. And they did. I mean, look at what they did to the Titans in the first half. You know, the Steelers. I mean, they threw all all over some teams down the stretch. And I just think that uh, there's more to this offense than just the run game in that I think that Stefanski – has has developed an offense with Baker that – has two ways they can beat you. I think they can beat you in the pass game and they can beat you on the run. It's so pick which way you want us to do it and they'll do it. So I don't know if it'll necessarily totally skew towards the, the run when it presents itself to be the way they win. I think they'll, they'll do that. Uh, But I, I think that Stefanski has shown that he is more than willing to throw the ball a ton if you're going to load the box up and try to stop us that way. 100%. Oh, I completely agree with that. Like I said, I have complete faith that Baker Mayfield is a top 10 quarterback. I just, like I said, a lot of those run struggles too. Wyatt Teller wasn't there. You know, it's really easy to just physically dominate a team. But I, I'm I'm completely with you that But if, if he wants, let's say he wants to just aerate it. Let's say he wants to bring Mike Leach of Mike, Mike Leach playbooks in the NFL. <laughs> Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield could do it. I love Baker Mayfield. I think he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks <clears> in the NFL. He can do it. I just like I said, if I if you're asking me which route I see them taking, that's where it would be. Yeah. I just can't imagine uh seeing Landry go. Uh and and he may at some point because of the way his contract lays out. You're right. Uh but I, I don't, you know, he's set to make uh four you know, about the same 14 and then even more in 22, but he's got dead yeah. money in both of those years, three million and, and one and a half. Uh, I think he's at least around for the next two years. And then I think you've got some hard questions to answer at that point. But, and, and with that said, you know, he's got such a good attitude. He's such a good person. Like you said, that that might be a guy two years from now when we're on the precipice of, 
win the AFC North again. This is me being more, po- more being optimistic. But if the Browns are winning, like if they keep going up in, the, in this upward trajectory where they're winning the AFC North on a consistent basis, Jarvis Landry might restructure his contract just to stick around and get a Super yeah. Bowl. You know what I mean? The, the Browns. This is not the same Browns team where guys are leaving and they only want to stay because of money. The Browns. They might get players that want to stick around because they want to win. So and Lauren yeah. is that kind of guy. Um. Okay. Uh, last guy here, Higgins, um, is a free agent. I kind of went through the market. You may have seen where I'm at. I'm kind of landing in the area of like four to six million dollars a year is what he could command. If that may get depressed a little bit, would you do that? I would. I would. I love. I love Higgins. I've loved him since he came out of Colorado State. I feel like it took him a really long time to develop into who he is now, um, because he. You know, he's playing in the Mountain West where he didn't have to have those the nuance that he has now, but he's growing into a great receiver. I think Baker Mayfield's got a great relationship with him. I know that oh. I know that uh, Landry was the leading receiver, but I mean Higgins was the dude that Baker seemed to go go to, um, or you know his eyes glanced to more often. And it just I I feel like he's probably worth it. Um, you know, I don't know what the market we talk there. Uh, it would be interesting to see if they could get him back on a cheaper deal because six million is a lot of cash for uh, your theoretically your number three wide receiver. I think. Yeah, but- yeah I think that uh, kind of what I said yesterday is that, uh, well, he came back this year for a hometown discount. Yeah. So uh, I think he might do it again. You know, he set the precedent that, hey, I really like playing with Bake. That's my dude. I, I'll come back. But so if they were to maybe, you know, the market gets depressed enough that maybe you could do like a uh, a two-year, uh, $7 million contract, right, uh, and guarantee three and a half or three of it, and maybe incentives that get him to eight. So $4 million a year with incentives. Uh, I think that would be a, a, a team-friendly deal for a guy that, is did what he did for them this year. I guess my bottom line, and like I said, I'm not a cap expert by any means. I'm just trying to under I'm just trying to understand enough to get by and understand who's getting paid a lot. But if I'm Kevin Stefanski, I'm looking at Andrew Barry and I say, I need him. I need him. He's got a good relationship with Baker. Do what you got to do to get it done. And you hope for the best. You hope you can get him on discount. But if you got to pay him the six mil, you got you got to bring him back. He's just the, the connect the connect connections there. We yeah, it's, it's there. Yeah, it's, I think um, it's a part of the offense that people want to admit. Yeah, no, I I, I love Higgins. I've always been a huge fan, I, and, and it would kill me to see him go. So I'm just hoping that they can uh, get him on the cheaper side, and maybe that you know that relationship maybe does uh, pay some dividends here in the cash. Another guy I just wanted to mention to you, throw it at you, and a lot of people killed me on Twitter for it, and some people were like, "Oh, I love this idea, right?" Uh, I presented the idea the other day. I don't know if you saw this. You probably did. That uh, when I was doing my breakdown of all the guys uh, that are available in free agency, that say the Browns did get that offer for a two uh, for OBJ. So you take OBJ, you trade him for a second round pick, and then take some of that savings there and go out and get Curtis Samuel, who runs a 4-3-1, 
and is coming off a career year with the Panthers, a guy who I would absolutely love to see in Stefanski's offense with the jet sweeps and everything like that. Uh, what do you think of that idea? I love it. I love it. I saw when you tweeted it out. I retweeted it. I liked it. You know, I, I, I'm with you. You're not the first person I saw mention that. Cleveland's got this weird polarizing half – half the Cleveland fans love Ohio State and they want more Ohio State prospects, and the other half hates Ohio State just to spite them. And it, it's yeah. so crazy. Curtis Samuel is a great football player. He's raw. Let me, let me say this. As – absolutely nothing to do with Ohio State. I want to be clear about that. Like, oh, nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with Ohio State at all. It has simply to do with uh, the explosion that he had this year as a player. Uh, they, you know, they brought in Robbie Anderson expecting him to fall back, mm-hmm. and he had a career season, uh, and uh, he has that that speed. He has that speed element that I think the Browns are missing. Yeah, no, and I know that I know that you were talking from a pure football standpoint, and I, and I am too. But you know, I, I saw the comments on the on the feed. There's just there's people that just automatically hate it because he's a Buckeye. But like you yes. said, he's explosive athlete. He's the kind of guy that you you love that would take this offense to the next level. I truly believe that. You wouldn't know it by looking at his stats. But this guy was a guy that played running back at Ohio State or H back, whatever the weird, whatever you want to call it, in Urban Meyer's offense. Yeah really getting 20 carries a game wasn't really getting 10 receptions a game he was just involved in the offense then he goes to the carolina panthers immediately they start him at wide receiver and he's not understanding he's not good at running routes it's just pure that's what you would expect from a running back now we're seeing him be better at running routes the carolina there they have an offensive coordinator and joe brady who understands how to use athletes in space they're giving they're giving curtis samuel handoffs they're lining up and slot he's running he's running screens and swings they didn't do that stuff with Robbie Anderson. They didn't do that no. stuff with, with with the first round pick in DJ Moore. They did that stuff with Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel yeah. is a bad dude. He's a good player. Like you said, that's a guy that Kevin Stefanski can move all around the all around the field. He can spell Chubb. He can spell Hunt. He can you know you can do a lot of things with Curtis Samuel. And he's not small. You know, I, I, we talked about Rondale Moore. And again, Rondale Moore. When I talk about him being small, I mean strictly his height because he is built like a Mack truck. But yeah. I mean, Chris Samuel's not small. He's you know he's an average size wide receiver. So it's not like mm. he's tiny Tyreek Hill or or you know uh, I can't really you know Dexter McCluster kind of yeah. He's not. It's not like that. He he can play wide receiver exclusively if you absolutely need him to. So I I, I love it. And and to be honest with you, it, even if he wasn't a Buckeye, I'd still be saying that. But being Ohio State Buckeye with the Cleveland Browns. I do think that that should count for some points a little bit. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anything wrong with you trying to allocate homegrown talent to your squad. I mean, that was kind of what the Browns was was built on. You know, Paul Brown coached at Ohio State. You know what I mean? Yeah. First, <laughs> the guys that went to the Hall of Fame first for the Browns yeah. were all Ohio State players. Dante Lavelli, Jim Houston. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's something there's something cool about that. You can say that. I don't think there's anything no question. Cool. Wrong about no question. that. No question. Um, you are watching and listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest Josh Keatley is here with me. Uh, good stuff there on the wide receiving uh, situation. Um, I think we've hashed that out for the moment. Uh, let's move on here to some extensions. And I just kind of want to gauge where these guys give you some figures and you kind of just 
give me what you're thinking on this stuff, okay? Uh, obviously, the first one and the most important one is Baker Mayfield, right? Mm-hmm. So, Baker Mayfield, do you want to give him an extension this offseason if it was up to you? Would you do it now? Would I do it now? Can or, or Like, do I have to do it before free agency starts, or can I do what I did with Miles Garrett? You can do it whenever, before, <laughs> after, doesn't matter. I'm it, talking this offseason. Yeah, that I would. I think he's shown okay. me enough that he's the quarterback of the future. I would see how this offseason plays out with the cap situation like you talked about, see what the NFL is going to do, and then when training cap rolls around, I'm sitting down with them and I'm getting it done. I see the number thrown around $25 million a year. I don't think that's realistic, and here's why. Top 10 quarterbacks paid in the NFL – and number 10 is $30 million a year. Um, I think he's going to want 30-plus. Uh, and I, as long as he's going to ask for over 35, I'm okay with paying it. Uh, you know, he's he's not Deshaun Watson. Um, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Russell Wilson. And, and, and he'll never really be those guys. Uh, but he is, in my opinion, better than Goff, better than Cousins, uh, certainly better than Wentz at this point, who are all the guys there at the low 30s, right? So if he, I mean, his agent can make a really good case for $35 million a year. Now, if you're the GM, do you try to talk him into taking less money and saying, hey, you have a better chance to be successful if you take $25 million a year uh, for four years? Or are you just going to pay him and say, I'm willing to make this investment in the quarterback. This is solved. We're done with this. Now what can we put around him and and, and going forward? Now, this remember, this new money isn't going to hit until – Two years from now. So you still got two years. We got some freedom on the cap. Go yeah. ahead. No, I, you know, for full transparency, I like. I think Baker Mayfield is just as good as those guys in this offense and what he does. I, I don't think – obviously Patrick Mahomes is better, but I don't think the gap is that large. Patrick Mahomes also has one of the most ingenious offensive minds in the history of the NFL. He walked into a very favorable situation with a lot of talent around him. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson, we've seen him struggle too. We've seen him struggle bad with pressure. So I think Baker Mayfield is really perfect for what he does here. Obviously, you're always going to try to get the cheaper option and try to talk to him like that and hope that maybe he gets so much endorsement money that he doesn't care. But I pay him what I have to. I think Baker Mayfield's the dude. I think he's easily a top 10 quarterback, and I think that he has the potential to one day after every, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees and all those guys fade away to be the guy. I, yeah, I'm with you. I I, I want to get that deal done, whatever it takes, really, uh, is kind of where I'm at. Um, I don't know if they I don't know if they'll do it this off season. You know, I know they'll they'll you know fifth year option will get taken care of. See them do the extension this off season. No, if they'll do that uh, or not, we don't we don't know because right. we because Barry. We have no precedent to go off of with how Andrew Barry wants to handle these things, right? Yeah. Um, really. 
So Nick Chubb, how do you want to handle Nick Chubb? Uh, he'll be a free agent after next season. I'm so, excited Chubb too. Now's the time to sign him, right? So yeah. um, where are you at with uh, signing Nick? I think I like well, clearly I think he's the offense, right? That was that was pretty much my exact words five minutes ago. I mean, he's an all pro running back. He keeps his shut his mouth shut. He's built like a I'm like a refrigerator. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's pretty much the perfect back. He's already dealt with the injuries, put that behind him. He's he's nasty. He can't he's not a superb pass catcher out of the backfield, but who cares? You know, I, I think I think he's the man. I think you tie him down. Okay. So I think your best comp, you're the highest paid back in the league is is Christian McCaffrey at sixteen million. Now, if you look at the at the running back market, right, they were the running backs started getting way overpaid a couple of years ago, and it's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Luckily for the Browns, like Dalvin Cook got twelve and a half million per year, and I think that's a comp for Chubb, right? Where, um, where's where's he? Where's Dalvin Cook ranked in the in the hierarchy of paid running backs? Do you don't have that? Fifth. Fifth. So it goes McCaffrey at 16 million. Alvin Kamara, 15 million. Zeke Elliott, 15 million. David Johnson, bad deal, 13 million per year. Dalvin Cook, 12 and a half. Joe Mixon, 12. Kenyon Drake, eight and a half. Melvin Gordon eight, and then Saquon Barkley I think is still on his rookie deal, um, so that doesn't really matter. But he's the tenth highest paid back in the league right now. So I, I'm with you. I think that that twelve is. A, he, I think he makes a solid argument, especially after being all pro, to be the highest paid. But I, I think that that's probably a sensible human being that you could talk to and say, listen, you're going to split. We're always we're always going to have someone to spell you. Your career is going to last longer than the average back. Here's $12 million, shut your mouth. And I think he'll accept that. I think based off of what I know about his personality, because it's not, you know, these running backs, these running backs aren't idiots. They know that they're being, you know, it's been, you get one giant contract and it's game over. So. Yeah, you want, he's going to, it's interesting when negotiating with a guy like Nick Chubb, because personality and everything about him makes you think that he would be very reasonable about what he wants. But one thing I think you find out sometimes it is I don't even you don't negotiate with the player you negotiate with the player's agent yeah um, and uh, you know so I, I think sometimes that gets a little misconstrued but I, I don't think that they're gonna demand to be the highest paid running back in the league or anything like that like he does. I love Nick Chubb, but he's not Christian McCaffrey, right? He's not a wide receiver and a running back in one, in my opinion. Uh, he's definitely not a wide receiver. Christian right. is a better receiver. Alvin Kamara can kind of make that same case. 100%. El- Elliott was a bad deal. So 13, 12, I think that that's reasonable, right? Yeah. Is Elliott's a better receiver out of the backfield, too. Okay. All right. He's so had a we, rough, yeah. So we agree on that, right? Yeah. Okay. Wyatt Teller, uh, whether I think you can do it this offseason and maybe a certain date or whatever, but he's a free agent after next year. Yeah. Teller, Teller is. 
Yeah. Uh, do you want to hear the market for right guards? This shocked me. Let's do it. You ready? You ready? <laughs> All right. Brandon Sheriff is the highest played, uh, paid uh, right guard in the league uh, for Washington, uh, the football team, at $15 million per year. Uh, Brandon Brooks, the Eagles, 14. Zach Martin, the Cowboys, 14. Zeitler, the Giants, 12 million. I think that's a deal that uh, we negotiated. Uh, Trey Turner, the Chargers, 11.2 million. Gabe Jackson, Las Vegas, 11 million. There's your top six. Now, there's only one of those guys in his 20s. And that's Trey Turner. Uh, Teller's how old? I don't know. He was drafted originally by Buffalo out of Virginia Tech, what, three years ago? Yeah. Uh, I'll get anything for, for his age. Um, I think he's in his 20s, uh, mid to late 20s, right? Uh, so he's 26. So he's 26 years old. Um, he's younger than any of these guys and better than all of them. He could, he, could break, he could break the market. You willing to pay him everything? I don't think – see, with that, I don't know if you had to pay him top level because he fits what the Cleveland Browns offense does really well. I mean, the Buffalo Bills got rid of him for a reason. First, first of all, I, I love Wyatt Teller. I got, I got his autograph sitting right here on a Virginia Tech helmet. I gave him a third round, a third round grade coming out of Virginia Tech because he body bags people. He's a very physical guard and that fits what the Browns do, right? They very downhill mauling team. Some of those guards, they're not like that, right? You know, Zach Martin is good at everything. And Wyatt Teller's a good pass blocker, too. He's really excelled in that this year. But Zach Martin, before he got that deal, he was good at that. He was an all-pro, played an all-pro level for three years. You pay, do you pay Wyatt Teller that much money based off of one season? I think that you could get away with paying him a lot. I would pay him. I would pay him, but I, I don't think the negotiation is going to get that high. But maybe I'm wrong. He's an all. Was he second team All Pro this year? Based on the majority of people that you talk to, that know offensive tackle play, think he's the best right guard in football, and maybe probably the best guard in football. So you think he's going to demand top dollar? I do. I don't I mean, understand. I, 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 I mean. That. He's 26 years old compared to these guys all in their 30s. I mean, I don't under, you know, he he's uh the highest ranked PFF guard in football. Um he's the uh you know, absolutely crucial to the Browns offense. I mean, a huge oh, yeah. difference maker. Uh, and I think a lot of people view him as the best guard in football after this year. Uh, I, I think uh, maybe you make him prove it, but I don't want to let him see the open market because somebody's going to pay him buku buku bucks, guaranteed. Uh, so I would rather pay him what he wants now and make sure he never sees the open market. If I have to, but now we're talking about now. Now you and I have invested. <laughs> Half the cap and three guys on the offense at this point. So I, I would, 
Man, this I, is I, my I point of the exercise, though. This is my point of the exercise. It's hard. I guess that's one of the reasons why you would really want to do Wyatt Teller as early as possible because if it's it, it might be easier to negotiate when he only has one season where he was good rather than if he has two seasons where he was good because right now he's got one season be, of being good and two three seasons where he was not he was nobody he sat the bench and was not very good when he got a chance. Agreed. I would do it this offseason, too. I think it makes the most sense to do it as early as possible with all these guys that you're sure about. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure about Bake. I'm sure about Chubb. about Teller. Yeah, 100%. I think you do it um, as soon as you can. The other guy that we would bring up in this situation, the Ward. He's gonna ask for a lot of money uh, at defensive back, and probably five years, whatever. I, let me bring up the market for the DBs real quick here. But I, I think it'll be like over a hundred million dollar deal. Um, it's gonna be a, a lot, right? So I mean, but here's my thing with him: is availability availability like as i had michael ray guy on the show um and he said made the point like hey i need you out there 14 here if i'm gonna pay you this money um now he does have that fifth year option so this is one you can kick the can on for a year you know and see if he does play 14 games and i think that's what you do i don't play pay ward this offseason what do you think about that? I I agree with that, and I guess now that we've we've gone through this exercise, I'm I'm thinking maybe based on the money that you're spending, maybe you kick the yeah. I think you kick the can on Denzel. I mean, we both know that he's good. We both know that he he's the guy. Um, but I, I yeah. think there there if he gets, it's kind of a boomer bust, I guess, because if he plays a full sixteen games, we both know he's going to be a Pro Bowl or All Pro, whatever it is. But I don't. Yeah, I yeah, mean, decisions decisions have to be made, and I I think that that might be a guy that you kick the can on. It's brutal, man. It, it, the uh, it's brutal the repay paying all these guys. I mean, it's a great thing and great problem to have, right? It's not one that the Browns have had in the past, but it's tough. Uh, you know, if you look at how much of their salary cap is going to be tied up for the next, uh, from 2023 on, right? Uh, It's going to be a lot harder to win. And I think you kind of have to take these next two years and go for it a little bit more because of that. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, but now now that we've gone gone through your exercise and we know that we're we're one hundred percent going to pay Chubb, we're one hundred percent going to pay Taylor. We both said we were going to pay Baker Mayfield. Do you uh, now that I'm I'm replaying it in my mind? Do you now? I'm kind of thinking maybe I wait on Mayfield as well because uh, we talked about him being paid thirty thirty five this season. Is it really going to go higher than that next season? Does that make sense? Can you delay that and it'll be the same amount next season? Uh... You could, yeah. I mean, you could. You can wait on him a year if you want, right? Because I mean, uh, his stats are his stats. He's is he ever going to have 
Patrick Mahomes levels. Even if we both think he's better than Patrick, even if we no. both think he's on the same level as Patrick Mahomes, he's never going to have those stats. So is he really going to be able to bring to the negotiation table anything to get more than $35 million a year? Does that make sense? It's a great point. It's a great point you make. Uh, I think that's something to think about, certainly. I think I want to pay him now just because. You want to get over with. I want to get it over with, and I want to, uh, like, I think the more that you know, the more you can plan on, like, hey, you know, here's the guy of the future. It's it's weird to say this, right? But it's almost scary to say, wait, because what if he has, like, a bad year? Um, and then you're like... Like, but that, but that's why you would wait, right? That's why you would wait, is right. Uh, I, I don't get what you're saying. I think if you do wait on anybody, it would be him and Ward. But I think I would wear Baker now as soon as possible. And, and before, maybe, I think if he puts together like a, another really good year, I think he could ask for more money. I, I think you would only save about $5 million. But over, you know, X amount of years, that's legitimate. That's a player. That's a starting player, right? Um, yeah, and that, that, that's, that's a fair point. I think that you 100% have to pay for Chubb now because he's a running back. You want to get – if you're going to pay – you know you want Chubb for the next three years at least, right? Pay him now. Pay them the big bucks now. That way by the time you've rid him to, into the dirt – his contract's over. His big money contract. Yep. His guarantee's yeah. done. Yep. Yeah. You have to pay Wyatt Teller now because he only has one good season. As soon as he's got one good season, we know he's going to be good. He gets two good seasons under him. It gets harder to negotiate. So I'm I'm 100% on board with giving those guys their money now. I just – yeah, the, ba- the Baker one's got me thinking now that we've kind of doubled back and the Denzel Ward's got me thinking too. But I think all four of them guys are the dudes. I would really, really, really – if I'm Kevin Stefanski, I'm really – Telling Andrew Barry, dude, we gotta we gotta make it work for those guys. Yeah, uh, I think all four of them do eventually get signed, regardless. Just oh. kind of a matter of when and how much, right? And they're mm. all kind of gonna require top dollar, unfortunately, not top top dollar, but top ten to top five dollar. I think. I mean. I heard people on the radio today making the case that Baker's not as good as this guy or not as good as that guy, so he shouldn't make that much money. But when you look at the and you see where Goff is making money and Wentz is making money, and uh, I, I just don't, I don't see twenty-five million dollars as reasonable. I don't know why his agent would come in that low for him. I think he's going to re- request thirty or higher, um, but I don't think he'll. I think it'll be reasonable. I don't think they're going to try to go or anything crazy like that, right? right. Uh, but I think that that 35 range is probably about right. Um, you know, I, I guess they were talking about on the radio today. What if you gave him, you know, f- uh, four years, 100 mil, and like 90 of it guaranteed to maybe get the total amount? I don't know even know if that's a feasible option, but sure, I would do that, right? Oh yeah, uh, it's actually, but, would, yeah. But I don't think I think that's kind of a dream to think that twenty five is the number for him. I think it's going to be about ten million higher than that, to be honest, Josh. Uh, and then if you look at you know, 
I, I brought up the defensive back uh, figure here. Uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey's the highest paid DB in the league at twenty million a year. But it, as you scroll down, you know, and you look in the range of where like he's gonna be, probably. Uh, let's see here. I mean, maybe ten mil a year. He may want more than that, but. I think you can justify around 10 mil a year. So maybe not as much as I thought. Joe Hayden's making 10 million a year. Malcolm Butler's making 12. Uh, Kyle Fuller's making 13. So maybe around 15, I guess he could ask because it's his first deal, right? So, uh, but that puts him in the top 10 corners in the NFL. Is he top 10 in the NFL? I, I think he, when he's 100% healthy, he is. Does he play? Yeah. He, I, well, it's it's kind of an unfair question because I've got to see that four times, right? <laughs> but I mean, when, it's, yeah, I mean, he's it's true. He, it's true. He, yeah, that that that's the problem is that he he's hurt a lot. He misses a lot of time. But I I know for sure. He he has the I know for sure he has the potential to be a top five cornerback in the NFL. I mean, when he's on. He's on, and we've seen him be on against the best wide receivers in the NFL, and not even blink twice. But again, he's you know there's there's some issues there. I agree with you. I do 100. Um, percent I think that he you know certainly top five, top ten corner potential is there. But I I I, I want to wait a year, and you gotta you you gotta like Greg I said on my show, you gotta show me your there 14 out of the 16 games before I'm going to pay you that top five, top 10 money. If, if you're only playing 11 games a year for me, I'm not going to pay you that much money. Yeah. And that's, that's where he's been. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll keep you, but I don't think you can command that kind of money when you're not available. Right. Uh, all right. All eyes on Cleveland. Josh Keatley. I'm Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. Finishing things up here. Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is Brady and Mahomes. Um, do you have a favorite here and thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I'm I'm really leaning. I haven't put any of my money on it yet because I don't think the spread's gonna change much. Usually around the Super Bowl, people bet on the what is it, they- three? Three and a half, three okay. at most places. You might be able to get a three every now and again. Most people, when they bet on the Super Bowl, they they bet on the money line. Uh, but I, I was looking at the Buccaneers getting three and a half points in a Super Bowl. I feel like that's a lot of points. I feel like this thing's going to go down to the wire. So that's kind of where I'm leading. I you know I'm not a big Tom Brady fan. I think Patrick Mahomes is the far superior physical quarterback. But the Buccaneers defense has been playing great. They had three picks last week. You know he's not he's not. Everybody talks about Tom Brady, but he's not the reason why they're there where they're at. This was a very good team, and he just cut down on the stupid Jameis Winston stuff. You know what I mean? If anything, yep. this is showing us that J- Jameis Winston has thrown too many interceptions. Of course, with that said, the Bucks have revamped their right side of their line. They've drafted some linebackers. They brought in you know. They they brought they this team is definitely a better team you know they brought in Leonard Fournette and all that um, a couple other things I was looking at prop bet wise though yeah for eleven straight years the team to score last has won the game you can bet on that exact prop you can bet on is the, if the team that scores last is going to win the game 
So I, that's one month. Probably I'm gonna probably put some money on that. That's a negative one fifty five. Another game, another prop that I like. You can bet on the longest touchdown. Now, four of the last five years, the longest touchdown has been under the current mark at 48 and a half yards. So I'm probably going to put some money on that at negative 110. And then the third one I like is four straight years. Four straight years. No one has scored in the first six minutes of the Super Bowl. Wow. Yeah. Now that's plus 110. So I'm going to put what? 120? 110. 110. Yeah, so now those are big, huge money makers, but those are ones where the trends are kind of, I mean, you know, shit. Tom Brady's been in half of those. <laughs> the trends of Patrick Mahomes was in the one last year, so you know, incredible, incredible. Yeah. So yeah, so this game. So first, let me say this: two t- two things I wanted to hit on about this game, the Chiefs here. Okay, so like to beat the Chiefs, I think. And this is going to sound crazy, but the team that plays the most like they have to to beat the Chiefs is the Chiefs' defense. Their second is so, as Romo would say, sticky. Like he said it like 40 times on the broadcast, right? Their their secondary is sticky, but their secondary is so, they don't give you any room. They're on you all the time. And that's how you have to play windows right uh, or time and and i don't know if it's a product of practicing against them it can't be because they didn't even practice nobody practiced this year but the steve spagnola's defense who gets beat up during the regular season always yeah. shows up in the playoffs and always does great in the playoffs and it's always game planned up they always are bringing pressure frank clark chris jones and their secondary is impressive man their secondary they don't give you any room. They didn't give us any room. The windows were tight in the Browns game, and they did the same thing to Josh Allen. And so the way you beat Mahomes is by bugging the crap out of the guys that he has to throw it to and just blanket coverage. And because of the speed they have, nobody can do that. But it's interesting that their secondary does that to everybody else, and I thought that's really interesting. Now, I do think that the Bucks present a really bad, bad matchup for the Chiefs. Like, their defense, I am so impressed with. Like, their secondary is very much like that as well. Uh, They hold a lot, right? They get interference calls, but they're not going to give up that play, right? They're not going to give up that big play. And a lot of times they get away with the holding calls. Sean Murphy Bunning had three interceptions in two weeks, and all three times he was holding the wide receiver blatantly, no flag. Like, uh, I mean, it's crazy. So, but that's, I understand them playing that way. Make a flag on the holding penalty, but you're not getting away from me and going to score a 60-yard touchdown, right? Uh, We'll give you the five yards in the first down. But we're not, you know, you're not going to break free for me. We're going to be, we're going to be pesky. And the, the, you know, the Browns front office so far has come with this approach that linebackers aren't a priority up to this point, right? <sighs> to them, it's about front end, back end, and it's a, it's a, it's a theme that's going around the NFL. A lot of the analytical minds go, if we go 
cover the front end and the back end, and we get some young guys that can run in the linebacking core, we'll be good. Uh, Devin, is it Devin Jones? For the Buccaneers? Yeah. Devin White. Devin Jones. Devin White. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I said Jones. Devin White is proving everyone wrong. Like, he is so good and so incredible and such a difference maker for them. Like, I can't keep my eyes off of him and off of that, like, their defense. Their defense swarms. They hit hard. They're everywhere. I think they create a real matchup problem for, not maybe not a matchup problem, but I think they're going to give Mahomes a hard time. Like, they have the aspects of their defense. I like the Bucks in this game. I actually do. I like the Bucks. I'm I'm with you too, and I, I didn't even I forgot until you brought it up. But uh, we didn't even talk about how Eric Fisher, the left tackle for the Chiefs, and an already not super impressive offensive line, is hurt. I mean, he's yeah. the best offensive line they have, and he's hurt. He had, he didn't he went another day without practicing, and he's the guy that's going to be in charge of blocking Shaquille Barrett, who's had yep. a pretty good season. So that might be an expectation right there. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, Patrick Mahomes plays. He never he never plays terrible, but he's struggles more against teams that kind of sit back. Uh, you know, like you said, Steve Spagnuolo runs like a 4-1-6 defense, um, you know, and that's kind of the perfect defense against Mahomes. But with Eric Fisher out and the Buccaneers already having a pretty flighty defensive backfield and Devin White plays pretty much as good as any safety in coverage, um, shoot, he's probably better than Daniel Sorensen in coverage. This that, that, that should be an X factor within itself. But like I said, it's really not about Tom Brady. It's about this Buccaneers defense being properly – place and for Patrick Mahomes and Eric Fisher being out. I a hundred percent agree. I, 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 at this point of the, you know, the two week period that is certainly a fluid two weeks, you know, is as you dive into the information on these two teams before I make my bet, right. I'm really leaning bucks at this point. Uh, I like them a lot in this game. Um, and so we'll see. Uh, for the same reasons that you said, their defense is impressive, and I think that Brady is going to be Brady in the clutch. Um, and I think that might be enough to beat them, or at least keep it close enough for the I three mean, and a hook, right? He, yeah, he hasn't had. To, he really hasn't had to do that, other than the the last second before halftime bomb that he had. He really hasn't had to be like Superman. Mr. Yeah, it's just it, and that's, he's got a good team around him. You know, Fournette's played very well in the in the playoffs. I think I think Leonard Fournette's a huge disappointment, but he's played pretty well in the playoffs. You know, uh, Chris Godwin's been been good. Uh, you know, their offensive line's been great, and the defense has been fantastic. He, Tom Brady just has to not suck, and they should be in very good position. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, last thing I wanted to hit on tonight, Josh Keeley, and I'll let you go. I've kept you for an hour and a half, brother. I'm so sorry. I ruined any plans if you had tonight. I could sit here all night and talk to you, brother. <laughs> Me too. And, uh, I would certainly get in trouble for that. Um, all right. Um, Ben Roethlisberger says he's ready to restructure his contract with the Steelers. This is after... Uh, I'm looking at pro football talk here. Art Rooney said, we can't bring Ben back 
at his current cap hit. Ben comes out today and says, I'm ready to restructure. Basically, he told people, basically, he doesn't really care what he makes this year, uh, but he wants to come back for another year. I say, bring it. Please. Give me one more year of Roethlisberger, right? Like, all this, these, these years of him beating us up, I, I he's done, in my opinion. The Browns got his number. And I want two more shots at him. I'm good with that. I want two more chances to beat him up. That's where I'm at. I'm happy. Uh, hey, I, it's it's hard to disagree. He looked down, downright pathetic against the, the yeah. Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, it's hard to say. It's so fun. Every time I get on this, every time I get on your podcast, I feel like I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers apologist. Uh, last time I was talking about uh, Tomlin winning coach of the year. <laughs> I, I, for transparency, I bet on the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs against the Cleveland Browns given the seven points. The Browns struggled against their backups, and I thought it was just going to be a bloodbath. Um, big Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, son had, of a bitch. I know. I know. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger has had halves and stretches of where he's been an absolute stud. If you look at that second half against Indianapolis Colts. But I don't know if that's the play calling or what the situation is there. I know that he's a lot better when he's going deep than he is when he's got to play methodical. But at the same time, he's getting older, and he didn't look good at anything against the Browns. He looked like he needed to retire against the Browns. And his facial expression looked terrible, too. I'm so shocked that this that he was speaking that passionate about wanting to come back and play because he looked like he just wanted to leave the stadium against the Browns. Of course, in his defense, though, all of the Steelers did. That was my favorite part about watching that game is all the – none of them looked mad. They were just like, what? Huh? With the crying? The crying, the tears. Yeah, it was wild, man. It just—it was just shocking. But you know, I'm never gonna—I'm never gonna sit here and say Big Ben sucks. It's not gonna happen. I didn't do that with Drew Brees. I didn't do that with Peyton Manning. They're just—they're still glimpses. There's still flashes there. And as soon as you say he sucks, he's gonna fight. He sucks. He sucks. He sucks, Josh. (laughs) Don't apologize for him sucking at this point. Is here we are. It's totally okay. That he sucks and he's coming back. I know you. I know you won't say it. I'll say it. He sucks. <laughs> and I'm what? glad he's coming back because we get two more shots at him, and in, you know, those should be two wins next year. If they would have brought in somebody else, <clears throat> not Dwayne Haskins, because that would have been two wins too. But I mean, if they would have, you know, drafted somebody or made some move for one of those guys out on the market, a Stafford or something like that. I mean, that would have been nightmarish, right? Uh, I'm glad that he's sticking around. I'm glad that he thinks he can do it because, for me, that's two more wins against the Steelers that we, you know, owe them. We owe them these years on the uh, ass end of his career where he is ass at the end of it. Yeah, while he's down. I, dude, I think that they just they just imploded. I don't know if it's the personalities that they have there. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what happened there. I. I, re- I really don't. Because they were looking good, and then they just collapsed in a big way, you know. And all the receipts. When it was funny too, because every week Chase Claypool would get better and better, and then he reached this point where he started talking shit too on social media. I, it was. I don't know. It's just they got this, this. The culture there is strange. It's a strange culture, and I think Mike Tomlin's a great coach. I know that he usually doesn't stand for that stuff, but we saw it. We saw it firsthand. It was just a strange, weird culture. Until they get that fixed, they're done. Yeah, Smith Schuster, you know, couldn't control him. He's a free agent. He's gone, right? I think. 
I, I mean, don't he's think they'll put up with his crap. Yeah, he's got he's just weird. He's just weird. And they're not going out and beating women. They're not getting DUIs, but they just they're strange. They're just strange. They don't take anything serious. They're always online. They're always video chatting and, and doing weird things on TikTok. Dancing. Yeah, dancing. Strange. Uh, Claypool comes on the day after he loses and uh, talks about, you know, how he scared a uh, practice guide corner, uh, Robert Jackson. Uh, like, what are you doing? And then sure. says that, that, you know, the, the Chiefs are going to clap the Browns. Like, just immature, immaturity, like no, j- just disgusting behavior. And, yeah. and I loved it. I mean, he made a fool of himself. And, you know, Tomlin, I, I don't know what's up with him and these guys. And, and Ben, I've always hated Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I, I think he's a kind of a piece of trash uh, from his history. And as a quarterback, he's always beat us. So, yes, I'm happy that he's coming back one more year. I want two more shots at him. So, yeah, that's how I feel. Marcus Pouncey retired, too. So, yeah, that's, that's a hard man to replace. Uh, like I said, I think the Steelers are – I. I last time I was on this podcast, I said that they were they were great, and they're the I, I I was I was wrong. I don't think that they're the most talented team in the AFC North. I I was I was dead wrong about that. But they're still a good team. They're still three. You know, what I mean, if they have a good off season, they're back to being the best. There's a lot of talent there, but they're weird. They got a, there's just a strange culture there. Super strange. Very strange. A strange time for the Steelers. They're not used to this. Uh, this kind of. Uh, not really knowing what they are right now, you know what I mean? Uh, the end of Ben's career kind of leaves them in that position. It'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason for sure. Absolutely. Um, Josh, you've been fantastic as always. Enjoyed the show. Long, long show. Sorry about that. But uh, good topics, good stuff. I, I think it was uh, productive uh, talk here about the Browns for sure. Stuff that's going to be a fluid situation be something we have to keep our eyes on uh all all off season so i think it was a really good show for that reason alone absolutely thanks for having me on you're the man josh uh, make sure you go listen to the browns wire podcast and read his stuff at the browns wire usa today sports media group where he is always covering uh player profiles draft coverage all that stuff he's terrific His name is Josh Keatley, and uh, thank you, sir, for coming on again, uh, and we will talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Big thanks to Josh Keatley for coming on the show. All eyes on Cleveland. Terrific job he did, as usual. Uh, We're going to get you up and out of here. Great show tonight covering all this stuff. Uh, Free agency, the cap, all that uh, is going to be crucial moving forward. Uh, All eyes on Cleveland will be, uh, the podcast will be available tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., 
where all popular podcasts are found. You can catch the simulcast here on uh, YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe uh, at the bottom. Uh, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. So it'll ding and tell you every time that we are live on the air. Uh, so make sure you do that. Um, and, uh, and we're also available on Periscope and Facebook Live. You can always go to www.alleyesoncleveland.com to get the podcast and any news dealing with the show. Uh, it's a show where we interview the top personalities in the country, pressing, discussing the pressing issues that face our Cleveland Browns. Um, I urge you all to go to thedefender.cancer.org. The American Cancer Society and the NFL have teamed up to help reduce your cancer risk. Thedefender.cancer.org, uh, it just takes a few minutes. It shows you um, exactly how you can reduce your risk of getting cancer. Uh, it will ask you critical questions that, you know, help you evaluate your risk of getting cancer, having cancer. Certainly crucial catch program here with the Defender uh, that goes hand in hand with the NFL and American Cancer Society is, uh, uh, you know, show take you to uh, www.cancer.org and take you through the steps of making sure that you're constantly checking yourself for signs of cancer. Um, in one situation where I urge you to do this and um, don't, don't, don't procrastinate. This is one time where procrastinating can kill you. So please go to www.cancer.org to no donate to the American Cancer Society. It's important and uh, make sure that you are uh, going to the defender.cancer.org. Check yourself, stay protected, make sure you understand your risks of getting cancer. So uh, thank you for hearing me out on that. Browns have 17 free agents this offseason. Olivier Vernon, Kevin Johnson, Terrence, Carl Joseph, Andrew Sandejo, B.J. Goodson, Linebacker Malcolm Smith, Offensive Tackle Kendall Lamb, Rashard Higgins, JoJo Natson, Larry Joby, Vincent Taylor, Cody Parkey, Cornerback Brian Allen, Safety Tedrick Thompson, Linebacker Elijah Lee, Anthony Fabiano, Offensive Tackle, Wide Receiver Marvin Hall, Wide Receiver Taewon Taylor, Wide Receiver Kaderil Hodge. 17 guys there are free agents. Now, it's important here, I think, that we kind of evaluate who you want back. The number one guy that I, you know, that I want back is Rashard Higgins, but a guy after that that I think they need to bring back is Terrence Money Mitchell because he provides you that availability at corner. What would the Browns have done without Terrence Money Mitchell the last two, three seasons. We have not had anybody to play corner week in, week out. If the other guy, you know, one week a greedy would out be out, the next week it would Ward would be out, and week after week, money was in there being at a, you know, starters level cornerback. I think you have to try to bring him back. Um 
what they're going to do with Olivier Vernon. I would be shocked if they tried to bring him back. Um, but I have heard, you know, some people say, hey, you know, maybe you can negotiate a deal to bring him back. He was playing such good football. That injury combined with, you know, I think the ability to go younger at that position and I'll get a long-term solution there maybe in the draft would be what I would be thinking about uh, more so than bringing him back. Carl Joseph, I thought, played great for the Browns. If you want to bring him back in somehow, some capacity, that would be fantastic. Um, B.J. Goodson was good. Malcolm Smith was good. These are guys, though, that, you know, Malcolm Smith good in coverage. B.J. Goodson good against the run. Led the Browns in tackles. I think they need to upgrade those positions. Uh, could come back as a depth option. Kendall Lamb is another guy like Mitchell who has been a great fill-in and a guy with a lot of experience at tackle that you'd hate to see walk away from the organization. Maybe come to an agreement. So really, when you look at this list, for me, it's like okay, priority one should be Richard Higgins. What's his market going to be? Figure out what you are willing to pay him. Make it him and his agent what you're willing to pay him. And do better than that on the market, then you're going to lose him. Come back like we've seen in the past saying, okay, yeah, I was wrong. I'll take that deal. And at that point, the Browns would probably go lower again, but eventually sign him. Um, Larry Joby is a guy who is going to get my attention next at, over at thebrownswire.com. Going to do a special on the defensive tackle uh, free agent class and where he lands. is open for that at USA Today Sports Media. Brownswire.com. Another guy, Vincent Taylor, defensive tackle, played great at the end of the season, uh, blocked a f- huge field goal, always had his hands up, was kind of raising havoc in and out of there. I don't know if they'll try to bring him back. But the two most important guys after Higgins for me, you know, pending Ogan Joby's free agency, which I think is going to be the Browns might be priced out of, you know, based on the extensions that we talked about. And I'm going to give you that figure in a minute here uh, before we leave. But the other the two guys that seem most important to me are depth guys, and that's Kendall Lamb and Terrence Money Mitchell, just because we've seen that Lamb can fill in and do the job. And Terrence Money Mitchell is always available and can play at a level that you can win at. If your corner is hurt for a week, you can put Mitchell in and he'll do the job. He's shown that, he's proven that. He's in for that reason alone. The Browns know his value better than anybody else knows his value because of that availability. And I think that's a guy that you maybe need to really try to bring back as we move forward. You need six, seven good corners. Great on like three, four of them. But I think if you bring back, you know, Greedy, see what he has. Ward, obviously. Mitchell. And then, you know, you're going to have to upgrade after that. I don't, I'm not particularly happy. I don't want to see Kevin Johnson back or anything like that. Uh, you know, MJ Stewart, not real high on. So I think after those three guys, you got to do better and maybe even, you know, try to fill another starting spot on this team. We did the exercise, me and Josh Keatley, of going through everybody that's up for an extension or that should get paid here in the next two years that's in the top of the market. So Baker, Chubb, White, Teller, Denzel Ward, those four guys, based on what we figured they would make, would bring you to $74 million 
So four guys, $74 million. That's what it takes to keep Baker, Chubb, Teller, and Ward long-term going from 2022 and on. It's an interesting figure. You say $74, $75 million versus a cap that's going to be 180 next year, but it'll probably go up back up towards 222. It's less than half, but four players taking up, you know, I, I, I would have to do the math on that, but uh, let's see here. I mean, it would be two players taking up uh, a good amount of your salary cap. Let's see here. Like uh, 37% of your salary cap uh, spent on four players. So interesting stuff. Uh, there as we move forward. Appreciate everybody watching All Eyes on Cleveland, listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, make sure you subscribe if you're watching uh, or watching on the replay. Subscribe, leave a message. I always check them. I'll reply to your message if you have a question or a comment, certainly. Uh, and uh, catch the podcast tomorrow morning. First thing is 6 a.m. on the ride into work. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Uh, Mikey, on the ones and twos, another thank you to Josh Keatley. And with that, we are out.